Greetings, my friends. Hope you are doing well. Welcome to an off-the-cuff episode. Minute with Mark. It's about one o'clock my time in the day. So just after lunch, I just ate a nice T-bone. Just finished up a nice walk outside, taking in the sun rays, listening to a couple podcasts. I listened to Joe Polish and Dan Sullivan's 10 Times Talk. Love that podcast. And see what else I did. I listened to some stuff. I visualized whatever. Today's just a run through of some cool stuff. I set my watch or I set my um, phone for 27 minutes. Then I'll turn into a pumpkin. So here's some cool stuff for the day. We're going to cover, let's just get into it. Um, first off, before I hit record here, anytime I, I record anything, I use ScreenFlow. And if you didn't you listen to the last episode with Jaden, a really good episode if you want to scale a business to millions. A really good insight on scientific marketing and stuff. So check that one out. I actually listen to that podcast on my walk as well. Now, some would say, why would you listen to yourself other than being a total narcissist, which I will grant a portion of reality to that. But the reason I listen to it is, is I look at it as game film. I listened to what sounded annoying. I listened to my ums, my ahs, the cadence of how I can improve that. If I sounded like a dick, if I was rough, if I was unsmooth, if I had friction somewhere, if I should avoid a subject, if I should go deeper into a subject. So it's really game film for me to re-listen to my trainings every now and then. I don't do it religiously, but every now and then I do. Kind of like a, a good football coach or a good basketball coach or a good anybody would rewatch the team game film to look for mistakes, spot errors and do that. And so it's kind of, uh, it's a little humbling to listen to yourself and go, Oh my gosh, I sound horrible. So food for thought on that. Um, one thing on marketing real quick. Um, what if you're marketing? So what I'm going to do, what I was going to do, but I'm doing in this episode instead, and I'm calling this on the fly. I didn't write this down as my plan of attack is we have a bunch of marketers who are doing Facebook marketing for the first time. So they're placing ads and they're doing amazing and I'm really proud of them. They're getting their first leads ever. And in the presence of an abundance of leads is an abundance of sales follows right in the trail. A lot of people want the abundance of sales, but not understanding the math on having an abundance of leads. So we have a lot of people creating leads and creating applications and creating sales and their first, you know, money online and they're really breaking through. It's fantastic. And one of the things I really want to share with them today, and since I'm publishing inside the community, um, this podcast, I want you guys to listen, especially the Invisible Empire people, is look at your ads. Not Here's the common default human nature way to place an ad. I hope this gets somebody to click. And I sure hope it takes them through the sales process, and I sure hope they pull out their credit card and buy. Those, you know, those are legitimate aspirations. But what if you came from a deeper, a, a deeper place that's just as, you know, profit-driven and just as profit-minded? But what if you led with your ad? And this is what I want you to challenge. If you're doing any marketing at all, what if the watcher encountered my ad and received value? without opting in, without purchasing, without anything? What if I began a reciprocity machine to pump credit and pump value and pump goodwill 
into that buyer, into that clicker, into that pre-buyer before they buy, where they're getting value uh, immediately from the three-minute introduction to opt-in? Or what if they get at, just if you led with, this is a value add just as much as my product is. And some call it an advertorial where you would teach about the benefits of eating almonds and then there's an ad for an almond company. That would be an example. Or the psychological benefits of cardio and you know all the little bonuses of cardio and then it's an ad for a treadmill machine or something of that nature. But when you're doing marketing, imagine every single thing, every seed, every ad, every step and every bit of your marketing gives value so that the purchase comes as a reciprocity act as much as it comes from an act of personal gain. So do notice the subtleties there where the buyer is purchasing in part as an act of reciprocity for how much value they've received in being educated on a subject that they're interested in where they're like, Hey, part of me just wants to donate back to this company for how much value they've given me. Now that sounds Pollyanna. That sounds impossible. I've made about $20 million with that psychology of, I want to create so much sewing and so much value for free. This is called content marketing. Okay. Content marketing can merge with direct response marketing. And when it does, it creates babies called profit. It creates babies called communities. It creates babies that spread your message for free all around. So, when you're doing your marketing, the, the tip of the day, I guess, on marketing is start with the idea that this ad in and of itself is going to provide a breakthrough of understanding. Selling is really an education act, and the magic of education is to be intriguing, engaging, full of incentive-rich promises for the value of learning and moving forward deeper into this. And then if you, this is another thing I've probably going to make my own. I have thought about writing a book on this yesterday. I'll never do it. So I'll just spit it out here in this um, podcast. But the deeper fascination, I, I want to call it something like fascination to fortune or something about how here, here's the, here's the thesis of it. The more fascination you can be and the more fascinated you are with the subject matter of the product. Okay. So I love travel. I am fascinated by travel at, at a very fundamental level of just what travel is. They've done the studies on rats where they put rats in a, in a container that just has the little wood chips and some food and whatever in a little circle thing. And then they check, they check the density of the brain and they take that same rat and put it into a rich environment of mazes of um, different, like if you do this, then you get the cheese, different um, textures, different exposures to the rat, and the density of the brain is measurably more active. So I see travel, I'm fascinated with the act of simply exposing myself and my children beyond the cage of our home. Now, deliberately, just because of that rat study, and I don't know, you can Google it and probably figure out, find it, like rat density experiment or something like that, is it's the idea of enriched environments. And there's entire preschool brands around enriched environments. The most, the most amount of textures, the most amount of sounds, the most amount of com complex but winnable games, some that aren't winnable. 
it develops density in the brains in the child's brain. Well, anyway, so I want our house is very multi-textured and multi-activities for that very reason and travel. Okay, you get what I'm saying? I'm fascinated by travel. Is it a surprise I make millions in travel? Compare that to somebody who's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go sell some timeshare down at the local resort because I heard it pays some decent, you know, coin. Okay, the deeper level your fascination, the more likelihood you stand in the way of profit. Visiting with a friend yesterday, Solomon, I am utterly fascinated. Yesterday, I got two more commentaries from leading Jewish rabbis on the historicity of interpretation of all of the of all of Solomon's stuff from a distinctly Jewish conservative perspective. And then I bought the rabbi who was completely liberal, who barely believed Solomon was a real person, and. I, they interpret all of the things together. I'm fascinated by the by the ethics that were put forward by by Solomon through him. And so, is it a wonder that I've made millions of dollars with Solomon? And so, this fascination, fortune, fascination to fortunes, how to cash in on your passions or how to profit from your passions. I don't know. I think that's a that's a really scalable mainstream mass book selling thing. Um, I should probably write it. But regardless, maybe there was some value for there. Here, here would be the takeaway. Whatever the thing that you're doing in, can you see it being an energy-giving experience? And Because fascination doesn't wear out. Fascination creates energy. So when you're inside of a niche, you're inside of a subject that actually gives you a fascination, you love it. You, you love it. You could see yourself spending thousands of years studying it, a lifetime studying it, like that is a good sign that you're on a trail that could lead to a fortune. So I want you to look around and say, in this subject, am I heading in that direction? It doesn't mean you're totally in that fascination zone, living in it 100%, because I don't know if that's real. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't live there. I've been, I've met a lot of people. I haven't met anybody, I think, that lives totally in that Camelot experience I just described. But I think I'm probably 70-80% in my fascinations most of the time. I'm fascinated in family. I make hundreds of thousands with family-branded stuff. Make millions with Solomon. Make millions with travel. Deep curiosity is what you're really... That That's the real ticket, I think, to an abundance of life. It's not... It's not happiness. It's not just making making bank. It's it's. I think when we're in a state of fascination, we put ourselves in the position to create a fortune, and deeper than that, we create ourselves an energy giving subject that we can spend a lot of time inside and love. And so now you might say, well, I just sell, I sell you know car insurance. How do you get fascinated about that? Well, that would be you got to go into the people game and just say, I'm fascinating in, in networking and connecting and having long-term relationships with different families and adding a layer of peace of mind to them and being there for them, for their properties, for their home. So you have to play some tricks. If you're not in the current fascination place, you have to play tricks with yourself. Okay. So food for thought on that. Um, that's just a little tip of the day. A couple things. Um, boy, time is just ticking on I here. So Jaden and I, and yesterday we interviewed Jaden, or I wouldn't say it was an interview. We just talked with Jaden a little bit. He's kind of the king, Mr. Everything of our brands. And here was, we had a problem and here was the problem. I never knew Jaden's schedule because I, it's kind of like, 
I want to live from the center of do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. I don't like bossing people around. I, now, there's a difference. I don't mind telling people what to do because I know they'll win and I know they'll get... Yeah, I don't tell people what to do unless I'm pretty certain, fairly certain that it's the thing to do. So I don't like bossing people around, though. I don't like controlling people's time, which is why the idea of going to 5,000 employees, I would literally, just the words having 5,000 employees makes me want to puke. Like I get a backache and I have, when I, so sometimes I'll, I'll listen to a business, you know, guru, not a, and not a guru, somebody who's in business, who's being interviewed or something. I think the WordPress founder who, what do they have? 30% of the entire internet on their platform. He was saying, you know, they're at something like, and don't quote me on this, I'm totally wrong, but something like they have 3,000 employees and their goal is to get to 5,000. When I heard that, I almost puked. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm, I'm horrible at bossing people around. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I would never be bossed around myself, so I'm not going to boss people around, you see, so it's out of my energy. However, um, you have to have bits of leverage through technologies, through systems, through human capital to get messages moving. And, you know, dream teams are made by gelling together and, and this kind of stuff. So I go for the affiliate option and I've had up to 19,000 affiliates. Now, these are voluntary, free contracted 1099. They run their day. They, they, they can promote anyone's products they want, but they choose our, to stay with us choose to promote our products, love our products, stick with us. Now, getting to 20,000 affiliates all day, no problem. I actually, I have energy when I think of that thought because it's, these are essentially entrepreneurs that are using our product line to enrich themselves. And, and I love that. So part of it is the, the takeaway there is, is be careful on falling into somebody else's default pattern or, or following someone else's story because that story led to an outcome of more money or led to an outcome of more influence. So you want to look at people's models, but ultimately you want to be very and very, very keen on what is inside my psychographic and inside my heart. Do I really, I mean, I have just a few people and, and I'm not even, I'm a terrible boss. Like I'm not it's not what I do. It's whatever. So Jaden and I are partners and I don't know his schedule. And part of that is I just, I know he's going to get his work done. But the problem is when I have an idea and I want it done and I want it done fast, I'll text him. I'll be like, Hey, I just sent you, I uploaded something, blast that out, do that, get this boom, boom, boom. And I'll give him just like a seven, seven list thing that might take three hours to knock out and I want it done now. I want it to skip everything in the queue and be at the top of the list. So it's kind of like a terrorist attack on him. And if he's at the gym or he's going on a date or he's, it's six o'clock at night and he's watching a hockey game or I don't know that he's there. So then he gets this and he sees it's kind of like the red alert. It's just rude of me and I don't want to frustrate his life. So I was thinking, how can we find a hybrid where he runs his schedule 100%, but I know it. Now, this is obviously a really simple solution. So what the solution is, is now I said, and I also don't want him to feel like he's accountable to me because I want to, I believe in freedom. So I give a lot of freedom. So I said, Jaden, and I danced, I danced delicately with the subject. I said, here's the thing. I don't want to interrupt you. I don't want to frustrate you. You work very hard. I want you to feel free. I want you just, I want you to have an amazing life. 
and I want you to be really happy in what we're doing. I said, so at the start of the day, would it be cool if you just shoot me like, hey, I'm hit, like yesterday, here's what I woke up to. Hey, Mark, I'm going to work out about 2 o'clock. No, I'm going to work out about 11.30 for a couple hours, and then I'm going to a hockey game about 6.30. The rest of the day, I'm pretty much on. I'm pretty much in the pocket. So that allows me to know not to hit him with anything at night and not to hit him with anything between the hours of 11.30 and about you know, 12.30 or 2.30. So every morning, he kind of just hits me and lets me know I'm hitting the gym here and I'm playing here. And I, and I want him to play every day and I want him to work out every day. And so that's kind of the deal. But that's a little solution that we did there. Likewise, Tyler, we rolled together. Tyler Tashiro, a lot of had him on here a couple times. Um, you know, he does some, he does some task related stuff on the daily, but I, I, the agreement with him is, Hey, I don't care whatever you, I don't care what you, I don't care if you don't want to do a thing till noon, you want to, you want to work out, you want to take a walk, you want to play with your dog, you want to go to have breakfast with your girlfriend, whatever, just make sure by four o'clock these tasks are done. And I don't care. I don't care if you do them at 7 a.m. and knock them out, and but then check in again at four so it doesn't stockpile problems to the next day. But anyway, this is a this is a uh, a freedom formula that I'm that's very f- good with my heart. Now I'm not sure you can build Apple with that attitude or Facebook or Google, but you can build multi million dollar you know thing out of a home centered home-centered brand, you can do it with that. So, and that's who most of you guys and girls are, is you want to build home-centered, um, purposeful businesses around your passions and loves and fascinations and stuff like that. So hopefully that's some um, insight on how you could work with teams. And then we do have a Monday, 10 a.m., we just started doing this, a Monday, 10 a.m. mastermind all together. So everyone comes together, you know, we'll have six six-ish to ten-ish people come on. I open the first 15 minutes with something educational and motivational, um, usually educational and vision casting. And then we just get into let's, I want the problems so we can make it into awesome. I don't want to hide from these problems. I want to find the problems. I want to look for the problems. I want to err on the side of going towards problems and being a problem-facing culture. So anyway, food for thought on that if you're building a digital empire. Because your best people a lot of times are going to live states away or a long way away. And you might not see him. I haven't seen Jaden's face in a year in the flesh. And that's a joke. I was going to get skiing out in Whistler and just weird things happen. I ended up skiing in other places and we didn't see it. But I'll be seeing him here in the next few months or whatever. But food for thought on that. Okay. A couple other things. I got eight minutes left. So this is a issue I dealt with today where these are off the cuff episodes, just kind of like reality inside my day, just stuff that I have as a business person that might be of use to you guys. And one is just the power, the big elevated idea here is how do you cultivate personal presence that curies favor? How, how can you create a presence that attracts good things, that attracts favor, that attracts lucky breaks? I mean, is there a magic to it? Is there a formula to it? I think some of it's just, you know, how you, who you are just at a genetic vibrational level, just the, just the way you were born. And some of it's born, but some of it's made. And one of the things I'm very deliberate about in creating my own presence is I want to, as a principle, 
always lead with gratitude and thanks, no matter what the situation is. If I'm in front of a human being, even if it's an unfortunate, grisly, something I don't want to be in front of somebody about, a subject that's annoying, which I will get to right now, I want to lead with gratitude and thanks no matter what. So here's an email I woke up to this morning. One of our merchant accounts, which we were just talking about the other day, um, we blew out our merchant um, maximum last month by, you know, it was by like 100000 on this particular account. And so I get an email today, and today is the third of the month, okay? So we've had two days of processing. And this particular merchant said, hey, um, it was a formal email from their underwriting committee. And they say, just, you know, just letting you guys know, because the processing was so far above our limit, we had a soft max for you guys, but we're putting a hard, a hard top on you now. And you get to process $35,000 a month. And you're at twenty-seven thousand already through this account. So this gives us seven thousand dollars for the next twenty-eight days to process through this account. And we like this account. It's got better rates. It's faster payouts. To me, um, we like this account. But it's like that account is basically history for the month, and we're going to only be able to process on it for a day or two, and it freezes. So I immediately, I'm still in bed. I, I usually don't check my email before I do my prepping and priming for the day, but I check it and I see this thing. And whenever you get an email from the underwriter, you know, the underwriters are like undertakers. They're risk managers. They look for risk like, like a, you know, 14 year old boy looks for a hot girl. I mean, they're looking for risk. They're looking for problems. And basically they just said, we don't have enough history with you yet to give you uh, the green light to cash in this much money. And so now you're at 27 hundred bucks or whatever. It was just, it was not a, what I want to see because our rates spike up with our other account for other reasons. Regardless, I have a solution, but it's annoying. So when I'm calling him, here's the thing. A lot of people would call him and say, well, what the hell is this? You know, you let us go like all this. We haven't had any, you know, our refunds, our chargebacks are way below industry standards to give any kind of problem. We I mean, what the hell is this all about? That's one approach that we could do. But here's what I want you to understand. Personal presence that carries favors. Now, I'm not saying bribes. I'm saying benefits. There's a massive difference, you know, so get this. But their policies was an open, soft thing, and we really rode the open cap, and we rode it just to the moon. And so behind every policy, there's a spirit, okay? And behind every law, so the Bible says that, you know, there's the spirit of the law and there's the letter of the law and internal company policies are the same way. There's a policy and it's written, there's a spirit that inspired it. The spirit that inspired the policy of a cap is that, hey, these guys barely know my business behaviors, even though they got tons of history that we sent them, but we just haven't done enough business yet. And so it's a prevention for them to get in trouble. So I understand that he didn't write that policy. I know he didn't write that policy. I know he's just doing his job. I also know that he has the power and the authority to work with that reality. I know I know that him on my side and me understanding him, I know a good relational energy only will help me, which will allow me to help my people, my buyers, and my business, which helps my family. And at a grandiose level, I believe, makes a dent in the benefit of the world. So 
when I call them, I don't say, well, what the hell is this? Why are you guys giving me this crap? I'm under 1% of refunds. I mean, what the, like, what are you be doing here? Why are we doing this dog and pony show? Why are you interrupting my business like this? I could have been a bitch. But instead, the guy's name was Tim. I said, hey, Tim, this is Mark Overson with this company. I, and uh, what was crazy is I didn't even have to, I mean, whatever. I said, this is our mid number, which is our merchant number. Um, can you pull up our file? I just got an email from you. And I said, hey. Now, here's what I said. I said, thanks for taking the time to send me that email today and uh, just give us a heads up on the month. I really appreciate that, you know, before we hit that account number. So I appreciate your, you know, your foresight. I appreciate you taking the time to look at our account. And I thank you for the work you do because it, it funds our lives. And so thank you. And I said also from last month, I said, you know, thanks for giving us a chance to have that soft top. It allowed us to really grow unfettered. And I appreciate all that. So with this policy, just kind of sum it up for me a little bit so I can understand kind of what's going on because we'd like, you know, we'd, I'd just like to get a little more frame on it. And he summed it up and he said, well, come January, you know, we'll, we'll reassess everything and maybe lift, lift your, lift your cap again. And I said, okay, that's totally cool. And I was just like, Tim, thanks, man. You're, you know, I talk with underwriters often and it, it's cool. You're one of the nicer underwriters I've talked to, which was true. I, I, so there's no lying in anything I said, nor was it some maniacal little bribe strategy, nor did I try to bribe them, which would be over the line. Like, well, hey, if I give you $1,000 on PayPal, could you just kind of lift this thing and let us keep processing? Because he would have the power as the underwriter, as the final stop in the thing. Actually, he has a management team, so he's not a one-trip one show. But I know how this thing works. I want his favor deliberately, purposefully when I get on that phone, and that's with everybody, that's with anybody, I am going, you know, it's better and easier to be in favor with a person than out of favor, to be in grace with someone than out of grace. So I always lead with gratitude, even if it's shitty news. And it's a strategy, well, it's a strategy, but it's a good strategy. It's, a, it's one that makes sense. And so anyway, we left that conversation and it's good. You know, it was good. And I, and it, it's a relationship that can help and it's important. So this is this is something you just take for your own take for your own business. You're dealing with a vendor that's a pain in the ass, you're dealing with a client that's a pain in the ass, you're dealing with whatever. Try to acknowledge their time because if you believe time is the most valuable thing and they're giving your business time even if it's the time to criticize the crap out of it. And I'm not saying for like true hater, hater stuff. I'm, those guys are better just ignored completely. But if someone comes with some legitimate criticism and they're a valued member of the team or whatever, you say, you know what, I, I actually appreciate you taking the effort to bring this stuff up that's in your heart that you're perceiving and that you're looking at. And, and I want to find the value on that. I might not agree with all of it, but I want to find the value because you're important to us. You really are. You've been great. Blah, blah, blah. Just the truth. But you lead with gratitude in the side of truth. Solomon says that, you know, God loves mercy. He loves mercy and truth. But sometimes truth is like, you. so truth, now follow this. Truth would be me calling and saying, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? This is totally unwarranted. It makes no sense. Our refunds are nil. You got 12 months of our history. The processing's perfect. I've shown you our marketing. I can show you the group. I can. That would all be truth, but without mercy and kindness and gratitude, it's just gravelly hard. It's just shards of glass. 
So you lead with the truth and mercy, with mercy leading the show, which is gratitude, kindness, and the biblical word there is charis, charity, it was where we get our word, which is giving the benefit of the doubt and giving grace. So in communications, and I don't, okay, my phone's blowing up, the time's out, I gotta get out of here. All right, this was fun. Um, gosh, there was a bunch more I wanted to share, but I gotta hold myself to it. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully there was value here. Much love. Peace.